This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the podcast that keeps you updated and educated. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 573. It's great to have your company once again. We really appreciate it. Thank you for joining me. My name, as you know, is Stephen Fennec and I'm the editor of the great website, techguide.com.au. On this week's show, your NBN plan is getting cheaper and we'll tell you why. Oppo has launched a new foldable phone to take on Samsung and Australia has joined the World Phone Amnesty so that smartphones will have less of an impact on the environment. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the Navman MyView Alta dash cam. This is the one that blends into your car. We also have a special discount offer on that as well, so make sure you stay listening. Netgear has unveiled its first Wi-Fi 7 router. We'll explain what is Wi-Fi 7 and how it works. And there's a new and more affordable Apple Pencil. And we'll answer all of your questions in the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. It doesn't always happen that uh, things get cheaper. When's the last time... Somebody said, here's something, a product or service that you used to using that you expect to be at a certain price, and now it's going to be cheaper. Well, that happened to me. Late last week, I got an email from Aussie Broadband, of which I am a a customer of theirs, on their one gigabit per second down 50 up plan. And I was very happy to receive that email to say that my plan usually priced at $149 a month, is now going to be priced at $129 a month. Aussie Broadband was the first company, the first provider to announce the price drops following a special access undertaking from the NBN being accepted by the ACCC. Now, the special access undertaking, SAU for short. It's been two years of negotiations between the NBN broadband retailers, ACCC and the federal government. And it's a a range of proposals that will, uh, that that the NBN has agreed to freeze pricing in certain areas. Uh, They're going to take longer to recoup their money that they've sunk into the network So a variety of reasons coming up why the plans are cheaper, including, too, the fact that part of the SAU, the Special Access Undertaking, is that the Connectivity Virtual Circuit, CVC, that's part of the network. I don't know why it's called that, but it it should have had a more explanatory name. The CVC, anyway, for short. What the NBN was doing, there were bandwidth charges associated with plans of 100 megabits per second and above. And so part of this is that those CVC charges are going to be kaput no more. They're, they're going to be removed. And that's the reason why my Aussie broadband plan and any other plan 100 megabits per second and above is now cheaper. Now, it's, it's, it's gonna, this is not going to take effect until officially till December 1, but Aussie Broadband decided, you know what, we're going to offer the savings now. So from December, from November 21, I think, is that when the, the, it is effective, uh, Aussie Broadband are going to reduce the price on that particular plan, as, as would other providers as well. Let us know if you've got these 100 megabits per second and above. Like, you know, you get 250, uh, you can get a gigabit per second. Uh, I'm not sure if there's a 500, but there's a 250, definitely a gigabit per second. I'm on the gigabit per second with Aussie Broadband. It's been coming out to my first anniversary with Aussie Broadband, and I'm loving it. I sacked Optus a while ago at that time, and that was well documented on Tech Guide. But Aussie Broadband have been absolutely phenomenal, and I'm even more pleased to be a customer when you receive an email to say that your plan is getting cheaper. Now, as I mentioned, they reduced the home ultra-fast plan, Thousand, uh, so it's a gigabit per second down, fifty megabits per second up, from one forty nine down to one twenty nine. 
Aussie Broadband was one of the NBN providers that was also lobbying the government to have high-speed internet available to more customers. So they thought that if we get, if we can make it more affordable, it will make it more accessible, and that's exactly what's happened, and that is why they were so quick to revise their pricing plans. So uh, it, it is also, too, the ACCC were very adamant that they wanted these changes to also protect customers from larger price increases because at the moment NBN wholesale prices were were going up and up now with the with this new arrangement they can't go up any more than the consumer price index so hopefully that it won't rise for a little while i think there's a, there's a price freeze for a couple of years so uh you are able to get a break right there 12 25 and 50 megabits per second fixed line and fixed wireless wholesale speed tiers have also been capped at 55 bucks, no matter how much data you use. So go nuts with the data, won't be over 55 bucks. So that's uh, this is good news for all of us. I think uh, the NBN, uh, a part, part of this, as I mentioned briefly earlier, that the NBN is, well, they're trying to recoup their investment. So they're trying to say, right, we've sunk billions of dollars into this network. We're going to charge you this much. This arrangement has delayed that that recoup, that that getting your, their money back. That's delayed it for a couple of years at least. So that's at least there's some certainty now, and it couldn't have come at a better time. You think about rising cost of living, all these pressures on on your on your everyday Australians and families, mums and dads, everyone, you and me. Uh, it's good news that this is uh, something has come to our favour. Something has gone down in price. Wouldn't it be good too if interest rates might follow that suit? And your groceries, wouldn't that be good if they were cheaper? Well, maybe one day, but definitely your NBN plan heading in the right direction. If you want to read more, you can check out our story at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. Well, OPPO, I used to call them OPPO, but I was told it's pronounced OPPO. Uh, I did travel with them to Barcelona earlier this year, and their Australian MD, actually, uh, the CEO, Michael, uh, told me, look, mate, it's, it's OPPO, not OPPO. So OPPO has unveiled a new foldable phone, and you know what? They've got Samsung right in their sights. Have done since February. Remember they announced the Find N2? Do you remember that? little flip phone, which was remarkably uh, similar to the Flip 4. Now the Flip 5 has been released. And uh, the N2 did great. I've reviewed it, loved it. Uh, it's great competitor for the Samsung foldable devices. Well, now the the next foldable phone from Oppo, they released this in, they had a global event in Singapore. I was actually invited, but I, I knocked it back for some reason. Uh, it was in Singapore. The Oppo Find N3. Now, this is more like the Galaxy Fold 5. So Samsung's folding phone, which opens up like a book. This is absolutely aimed at that at that customer. And it's about the same price too as Samsung's. It's $2,699 uh, and has been confirmed it will be available in Australia from mid-November. Now I've had a I haven't had this in my hands yet, but I will get it soon. I will do a full review and we'll talk about it not only on Tech Guy but also on the podcast. And from first glance, I think Oppo has done what Samsung has not done in five generations of the foldable of the fold, and that is having a wider front screen. I think from I've seen the comparisons. The Oppo is slightly shorter, but the front screen is much wider. In fact, the front screen, when when this is closed, it actually looks like a normal smartphone. Whereas the Galaxy Fold Five, when closed, it's it's long and thin. And my frustration with that, and I've said this in all my reviews for all the years I've been using the Fold phone, and I've said this to Samsung to their face, it's too thin. It's too narrow for my fingers. I'm typing away, and I can't actually type away because it's too narrow for my, I don't know whether my fingers and thumbs are too fat, but it wasn't a comfortable experience. And I found 
80% of the time I'm opening the phone. So I've got to stop what I'm doing, use two hands, open the phone, put down what I'm carrying, bang, and do whatever I've got to do to send a message, to do simple things. And they haven't in five years increased the width of that, oh, in the last maybe three years actually, the, the, the screen has been a bit bigger, but haven't really gone that extra five, five mil, just five mil wider is all we need. Now, it seems to me Oppo's got the message here and while their their phone is at just a couple of millimetres uh, shorter, it, the front screen is wider. It's 6.3 inches and looks, like I said, like a regular phone. Then when you unfold it, you're looking at a 7.8-inch tablet. Uh, so same principle as the Fold 5, but Oppo, Oppo, I should say, has come in with a... I think slightly better specs here, and again, I have I haven't uh, I haven't held this in my hand yet, but I've seen plenty of video and I've seen plenty of photos to to see to confirm that that I'm very really glad to hear this that Oppo has actually made that front screen a lot a little bit wider and a lot more usable. So let's go through the the stats shall we the specs the find ends displays the n3 displays have 425 ppi that's sharp they also have 120 hertz adaptive refresh rate so for the front screen and the inside screen that means that depending on what the phone is doing it can adjust to give you a more fluid a smoother experience so if, if you're scrolling between apps it's a lot smoother if you're watching a video it's a lot smoother playing a game it's a be very silky so that's what that's what the refresh rate does. If it's not doing anything, it can actually go down to one hertz, to like maybe to have the always-on display or something like that. So it it is adaptive, and that when it's adaptive means that when it's not needed, it's not having to ramp up the hertz rate, and therefore saving your battery as well. Now here's an interesting thing too: the display. This is this is what Oppo said. The the, the screens have a self healing layer so if if you maybe minor scuff or scratch it actually fills in again using this special material i'm really keen to try that out not too too badly i'm not going to drag a a, razor, a knife across the screen or anything but i'm sure it because uh, normal wear and tear your phone's in your pocket unless you've got a screen protector and screen protectors can get scratched too it is not unusual to see these little scratches and, and scrapes on your phone. If that can do, if it can self-heal, that that's a huge deal as well. Now, the hinge, it's the folding phones, of course, the hinge is the heart of the of the product. And now this is the Oppo third generation flexion hinge, smaller than before, more durable as well. And I've got to say, you can hardly see the crease. Now, again, I haven't held this in my hand, but from what I've seen. The crease is barely visible, so uh, there's going to be plenty of comparisons here again with the with the Fold Five from Samsung. The N3 has an IPX4 rating, which makes it splash resistant, more durable. The uh, the N3 is also the first phone to be independently tested to handle more than a million folds. That's a, like a decade of use. Did you know that? I mean, people think a million, that's not much. <laughs> it actually is. If you, I think it's on average, you, if you're a fold, if you've got a folding phone, you might open it, I don't know, 85 times a day, 100 times a day, if that. And so imagine a million, that, that's that's quite a long time. Uh, Camera-wise, big camera bump on the back there, three lenses, and it gives you the equivalent full-frame, equivalent uh, focal length, 14mm, 24mm, 70mm, and under the hood is the Sony 48-megapixel Litia T808 sensor, so great dynamic range, really nice clarity as well. Uh, also, on the audio side, does have pretty solid audio speakers that are apparently 30% louder then the Samsung Galaxy Z Fold 5 also has decent bass reproduction. So if you want to you want to pump the bass, you're not going to be disappointed. On board is uh, it's running Android 13, and you know uh, Oppo's own user interface, so their own operating system is called Color OS, uh, which looks a lot like iOS in many regards. 13.2 Color OS 13.2 there as well. And here's another thing. I'm noticing that companies started with Google a few weeks back promising 
uh, years of update of updates. Like Google promised seven years of security and software updates for the Pixel 8 and Pixel 8 Pro. In this case, Oppo has promised four years of software updates and five years of security updates. So that's uh, that's pretty good. It's all powered, of course, by the Qualcomm Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 mobile platform. Pretty, I think it's the exact same processor as Samsung's. 512 gig of storage, 16 gig of RAM, so it can, uh, that's pretty solid. 4,800 milliamp hour battery. They say all day power, but guess what? When it's time to charge, this is one strength of Oppo, is their fast charging. The Super VOOC fast charging 67 watt super hook, as a matter of fact, which means you can get back to 100% in just 42 minutes or get to 80% in 30 minutes. That's pretty cool, pretty fast. Now, price is $2,699, available in any color you want, as long as it's black, one color only. Uh, the exact release date yet to be determined, but we're, we're told it'll be mid, mid-November. mid I'm hoping to have it in my hands a lot earlier than that, and I promise you I'll be talking about it on this podcast and reviewing it on Tech Guide. But in the meantime, check out my story. I have written a piece, and there's some images there as well for you to ha- take a closer look at it. You can check all of that out at techguide.com.au. Now, Australia has agreed uh, to join the World Phone Amnesty. They were one of the first countries in the world to do so. And the phone amnesty, it sounds like we're giving up our phones. Phone amnesty. Does that sound? Remember there was a gun amnesty? The World Phone Amnesty, no, you don't have to give back your phone, but you do need to use it more responsibly. And by that I mean don't have 20 sitting in your drawer if you buy a new one. The goal here is to change phone ownership behaviour. This is this is also to reduce carbon emissions, reduce the number of devices just being chucked in the landfill, which is in the billions. Would you believe? More on that in a minute. But it, it's the 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 whole the heart of this whole thing is if you're buying a new phone, recycle your old one or resell it. So it's they want to create this circular economy where there's less smartphones in landfill. And I think it's going to work because we're buying devices now that we're hanging on to for years. I think if you bought the iPhone 15 today or the Galaxy S23 Ultra today, you could easily still be using them in five years' time. Unless Unless there are some incredible new camera improvement or remarkable killer feature, I can't see people changing phones more often than, let's say, four years, three years, I think, now. Before it used to be every couple of years, people think, oh, wow, because because back back when phones, smartphones, like it all started with the iPhone back in 2007, right? 2008 in Australia was our first one. And companies were starting to compete and were, they were these, these improvements were coming thick and fast. And now I think it's plateaued a little bit. And so we really don't need to update our phones so often. And it happens every year. Whenever Samsung released their S23, oh, not many, not much changes from the S22. Well, it would look like huge changes if you're on the S10. Same deal for the iPhone 15. Oh, not too much different to the 14. Yeah, of course not. But if you're on an iPhone 10 or an 11, it's a massive difference. And so that, I think, is how we're starting to work things where hanging onto your phone is not going to be an unusual thing. And especially now, I mentioned earlier in the show, the cost of living pressures, the the interest rates going up, groceries are costing a fortune, petrol cost is ridiculous. So if there's one area we can save, it's not renewing your phone for another year or two or three because we're investing in the technology and keeping, but also that we've got a we've got a terrible habit of, of hoarding our old phones thinking oh I might need that one day I might might be an emergency you won't you won't ever go back to that other phone so either give it up recycle it sell it give it to your child someone else rather than it landing in up in in landfill now the 
the stats here are remarkable. Uh, at the moment, 85% of a phone's carbon emissions are generated during manufacturing. Okay, nothing we can do about that. But there is more we can do. So keeping a smartphone for, say, an additional two years can reduce its carbon impact by 43%. And customers are holding onto their phones longer, as I mentioned, with uh, rising cost of living. 41% of households, according to a recent study by the World Phone Amnesty, would also be willing to purchase a second-hand device. So picture this, right? You might have a, an iPhone 8 that's still working. And you think, well, I can't really afford a 15. How about I buy a secondhand 13 or a 12? And that's that's what, as this stat shows, a lot of people are willing to do. It's cheaper. The phone is still going to have plenty of life in it because Apple supports their phones. It'll, they'll support from the date of purchase. You probably get about six years compatibility with the latest iOS. So that that's sort of leading on from what Google and, and what Oppo are doing with their new phones now. So that's that's not a drama. Now, worldwide, 5.3 billion phones are discarded every year, and that's a total of 50 million tonnes of e-waste. That's a lot of e-waste. Now, so the goal here is to encourage customers, that's you and me, to trade in or recycle their old phone. And let's be honest, be honest now, you listening, have you got an old phone in your drawer or more than one phone in your drawer? The stats show that we do have more than one rattling around in a drawer. Recycle it or sell it. You might, you know what? Think of your phone like a car. Look after it. When it's time to get a new one, trade in it. Trade it in. Make the new one cheaper. If we can stick to that model, that is going to help a hell of a lot. Some more stats for you uh, in terms of the... In Australia, 35% of, of Australians, here's this stat, own at least one secondhand device. At least one. Is that you? So putting phones back into circulation before you discard them, that has a big impact. Or just if, if, if they're old, recycle it. Repurpose it. There are plenty of places where you can take your phone. Now, around the world, almost 180 million used smartphones are going to be sold and in the circular economy before the end of this year. So that's that's in, th in less than three months, 180 million smartphones worldwide. But at the same time, a billion will be sent to landfill and billions more around the world sitting in those bloody drawers again, forgotten in drawers, in your closet, in your cupboard, wherever you store your stuff. We need to get them out of there, either recycle them, sell them, repurpose them, whatever you need to do. Now, more than 85% of the world's population in 2023 has a smartphone. That means there are 6.92 billion smartphone users around the world. That's so many. Each year, 5.3 billion phones are thrown away. Not recycled, not resold, thrown away. And they say... If you placed all those phones end to end, they would reach, reach the moon and back again. That's how many of these bloody things there are. Now, 81 kilograms of carbon dioxide is produced for every brand new phone created. Apple might have something to say about that. They're sort of heading towards carbon neutral. That's enough carbon dioxide to fill 40,000 balloons. A second life phone used for two years creates 24.6 kilos of CO2, less carbon emissions per year, and extending the life of a device removes the need to extract 82 kilograms of raw materials associated with the production of a new one. So as I said, at the heart of this, if you're buying a new one, A, hang on to it longer, and B, trade in your old phone, or C, recycle your old phone if it's an old one. And if you couldn't be bothered selling it, well, give it away. Give it, re hand it down to someone. As long as it's not ending up in landfill, we are either recycling or reselling. That is what the World Phone Amnesty is about. So it is sort of about giving up your phones, giving up your old smartphones. If you want to find out more about the World Phone Amnesty, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick.
The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. If your home demands superior Wi-Fi, treat it with a masterpiece in connectivity. Bring your Wi-Fi up to speed with Orbi Wi-Fi 6E from Netgear. Orbi Wi-Fi 6E is the first and only Wi-Fi 6 quad band whole home mesh system opening an exclusive all-new 6 gigahertz superhighway that's fine-tuned to deliver unprecedented Wi-Fi speeds and smoother streaming simultaneously across the smart homes of today and tomorrow. It's Wi-Fi perfectly engineered. Wi-Fi 6E, the fastest Wi-Fi ever. Find out more at netgear.com.au forward slash best Wi-Fi. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. Kicking off the reviews this week is the Navman MyView Alta DC. DC short for double camera. So it's got front camera and a rear camera. Now, this is the dash cam that can blend into your car. Now, we know dash cams are becoming, I reckon, an essential item in your, in your vehicle. And it's sort of a, it's become like GPS, becoming like GPS. Remember GPS? Not every car had it. Uh, some people used built-in GPS. Some people had a phone. I think now the dash cam is becoming one of those essential products for your vehicle because it's your, they become your eyes and ears on the road. Now, one drawback for customers is the fact that not all dash cams look that good. They look big and bulky and sit on your windscreen and really take up space. But Navman decided to change all that with the new Alta. Now, that's Alta, A-L-T-A. It actually has a, this fresh new design. It's slim and vertical profile. So what they've done, they've made it not square and bulky, but long and thin so it can actually sit really neatly next to your rear view mirror. Now, we installed this on uh, on my daughter's uh, Kia Rio. Um, didn't involve, have it in, I had, didn't have a car at the time. I'd sold my Tesla and it was before I got my Merc. So, didn't have a car. My daughter did, though, and I thought, let's put this in so I can actually use it and review it. And that's exactly what we did. They, they installed it on the left side of the mirror, of the rear view mirror. So, you know how in front of the mirror, there's like a black, there's like a black piece just below the, wind, just on the windscreen. This runs to the left of that. It's pictures on Tech Guide for you to understand what I'm saying. And from the driver's seat, you can't even see it. But the profile of this thing is so that it runs down the same angle as the windscreen, and then the camera sits on the bottom of this and then is facing perfectly forward, perfectly straight. So it is able to take in whatever it's seeing in full high definition at 30 frames per second, which is pretty clear. You, you can see a couple of screenshots of uh, of my of my dash cam here, uh, of the actual what the dash cam captured. But uh, it, it does though blend into the car way better than other dash cams that we've seen. And, and this is uh, pricing is four nine nine by the way for the DC the dual camera so front camera the rear camera is actually quite small fits just the top of your rear rear window uh, and is also quite discreet does require professional installation unless you're pretty handy it does require a professional to install this for you and there are no visible cables it's all really neatly done and uh, and I think yeah look, looks actually pretty cool there's pictures of it on Tech Guide uh, that I've shared. Uh, it does include a 32 gig endurance micro SD card. Uh, it does also have H.264 compression, which means it can fit way more recordings in on that micro SD card. Now, it is always recording. So this is recording, and then when it's reached the end of the card, then it goes, starts again and rewrites uh, over the card again. So you're never going to run out of space. But. If the onboard three-axis G sensors detect a sudden change in motion or an impact, the video is then put into a separate folder that won't be recorded over. And you're able to access that and download it and share it potentially to police, insurance. If there's, like, say, for example, I'll give you an example. Uh, I was told by Navman that was telling me, uh, Wendy, who works at Navman, who's a good friend, she was saying that there was a story, there was an incident with a driver 
who allegedly hit a young girl when he was driving down a narrow street. The neighbours came out. They were going to kill this bloke. But it was proven that he was actually not in the wrong. The girl had ran out in front of his car. He was actually travelling below the speed limit. She had ran out in front of the car. He hit the anchors but couldn't stop in time. So it wasn't his fault. But to the outsider, they'd think, oh, look at this bastard has hit a girl. He's, he was speeding. They just assumed the worst. Now, if that had have gone to court and or insurance said, well, we're not going to pay your claim because you're at fault, this guy had a dash man, the dash cam evidence to say, well, here's what really happened. Don't take my word for it. Here's the video which shows the video, so the, what, what the car's seeing, also includes a map, so direction of travel, speed of travel, longitude and latitude, time stamp, everything is on it. And it shows that the girl dashed out in front of the car, he hit the anchors, couldn't stop in time, not his fault. He did his best. Now, how many other incidents, and you may have been involved in a, an accident and there's an argument at who's at fault, well, having a dash cam gives you the definitive side of your story. From your literally from your point of view, where you can then share this with insurance, with the police, if it gets that far. Now, one of the reasons why the altar is so thin and narrow is because it doesn't have a screen. A lot of those other dash cams have these, these big ugly screens that can be distracting, I reckon, too. Well, what the altar does, the altar connects to connects wirelessly. It's got its own little Wi-Fi network. So if you want to see a live view of the camera or review footage. You simply connect to the Wi-Fi on board the altar and then you're able to view and download the files that you need. And perhaps these are the ones you need to pass on to uh, insurance, the police, YouTube, if it's something cool and funny. That's up to you how you want to do it, but that's how you control it. The app also lets you control all the settings, so the sensitivity of the of the sensors and the the volume of the of the notifications and whether you want to have school zone warnings or red light camera warnings. All of these things it can manage. So it's not just a dash cam; it's telling you, oh, approaching speed camera. So it tells you what what those safety features can tell you what's coming up now. I've got to say, if you, it can be pretty full on the amount of notifications it can supply. So whether you want to maybe turn that down a little bit, it's up to you. But they're there. I reckon having too much is better than not enough. So in this instance, if you want to maybe not receive school zone warnings or whatever, you can actually turn those off or reduce the volume so that you can hardly hear it if you want to. That's up to you. That, that's the beauty of the system. The settings allow you to control it and set it exactly how you want to do it. So you, things like uh, the video clip length or the sensitivity of the sensors, which we mentioned already. Uh, so they, you can also d control that through the app as well. Now, the if you are, there, there's also a parking mode here. So not all accidents happen while you're driving. So parking mode it, with the, that can be created or set up using an optional and at extra cost, the smart box. So you put that in your car basically so that it runs while your car is turned off. So at the moment, when your car's on, good as gold, it's running all the time. Turn it off, it goes to sleep, but with the smart box, keeps it awake so it can, can trigger the camera if the sensors on board detect anything. So, for example, you're at a shopping center car park, someone's backed into your car and driven away without leaving a note. With this, with a smart box in parking mode, you've got all that on camera. So because of its high definition as well, you can easily get their number plate and report them to the police for not, not leaving their information so they can pay for your repairs. Who doesn't want that? Shopping centre car parks often where, I've seen it with my own eyes, people back into cars and drive off, they don't care. But if you, if you care, then, of course, you want to be able to see this and have video evidence of what happened. That's exactly what you can get now with the altar, not only while you're driving, but now while you're parked as well. Now, let's talk pricing. 499 bucks for the dual camera model. You can get the single camera model, which is 329 But I did mention you guys, Tech Guide listeners and Tech Guide readers, 
I can offer you, you can enjoy a 20% discount. If you decide to purchase the Altar, you get a 20% discount and free shipping if you order through Navman's website, navman.com.au, and use the code TECHGUIDE, one word in capital letters, at checkout. That will get you 20% off. So whether you want this for your car, maybe your, your, your child, maybe your teenage son or daughter has a new car, you might want to put one in their car, here's a chance for you to get it, 20% discount. So if you were to buy the Alter DC that I've reviewed on Tech Guide, 499 comes down to 400 for a dual camera, high definition, blend into your car dash cam, the my view. If you want to get the three the three twenty nine, that that comes down to well under three hundred bucks, about two fifty. The alter the single front camera, that's up to you. But the details about the discount and the code and there's a link to the Navman website is all on our website, techguide.com.au. So read our review. At the very bottom of the review is the details of the 20% discount and free shipping and what you need to do. So check it out. Our full review and that discount offer is at techguide.com.au. The great sponsor of our show have been since day one is Netgear, and they've just unveiled a their very first Wi-Fi 7 router. Netgear's always been the leader in wireless technology, and they've shown that again here with the new Netgear Nighthawk RS700 router that is Wi-Fi 7. Now, I'll tell you why what Wi-Fi 7 does different and what, what we can expect in terms of its comparison to Wi-Fi 6. But let's just say that this is is a wireless router that's designed to keep up with our modern household. So if you were to cast your mind back a few years, pre-Netflix, pre-smart home products, you, your internet network was pretty, pretty simple. You had maybe a couple of computers and some phones and laptops or whatever, connecting, browsing. That was basically, you might have been doing a bit of online gaming and even that's improved a hell of a lot. Well, you so fast forward to 2023 and you think about what our wireless networks are doing now. We're streaming 4K through all these various platforms, Netflix and Stan and Disney Plus and Paramount Plus and Prime. So there's that part. And not just you, but probably other people in your household. 4K, sometimes even 8K. We're watching YouTube. We're doing all kinds of things. We're now also, since the pandemic, a lot of hybrid working, we're making high definition video calls. And so you want that to be, you don't want to be on the phone on the video call to your boss and your connection flakes out. You want that to be reliable. And we're doing a lot more of them. So more demand on the network. So working from home, that includes having all those high definition video calls. Online gaming is more demanding than ever. We require really low latency so we can stay competitive and now, with the introduction of AR and VR, these cutting-edge applications, that also requires a solid amount of bandwidth to get that to make that right, to make it work properly. And so having a product like the Wi-Fi 7 router, that gives you actually double the speed of Wi-Fi 6. So that, that's a huge advancement. Not only, so the, the speed can get up to 19 gigabits per second. It's got a system on a chip set up as well. And so really reduces latency in real time, increases speeds on the network. So if you're streaming, smoother experiences for streaming, gaming, all of those things. It also has a 10 gigabyte, 10 gigabit internet port uh, to support the fastest internet speeds and four one gigabit LAN ports for four of those for faster and flexible wired connections. So if you want to maybe connect one to your console, to your TV, to your PlayStation, whatever you want to do. Uh, sorry, I've mentioned console before. Your set-top box, whatever whatever you want to connect, you can now do it if you have this nearby, can connect it with a, with a cable. And it is pretty small, very slim chassis, uh, and so really small footprint. So it can fit on a bookshelf, on a desk, wherever you want. Also has about 325 square metres of range. So really a nice new antenna design has made the range even better. So uh, a real move in the right direction. So you're looking at, 320 megahertz high-capacity channels, multi-link operation, 
and lower latency. Now, I'm going to explain what all this means. These, these are all features of, of Wi-Fi 7. So people think, well, what's Wi-Fi 7? Well, Wi-Fi 7 is called that because it's the seventh generation of Wi-Fi. So huge improvements over Wi-Fi 6 and Wi-Fi 6E, which are, uh, the Netgear one is more than twice as fast, but they're saying it could be almost four times faster uh, in, in perfect conditions as well. Now, the the... The benefits obviously being faster, so supports more connections. You can support up to 200 simultaneous connections now. And don't laugh at that number. You think of how many smart products you've got, how many phones are in the house, laptops, TVs that are streaming, gaming consoles. You're probably up to 25 without even without even trying if you've got all these. Your, your fridge might be connected to the network. Smart TV is connected to the network. Your laptop, your, your, your desktop, your phone, tablet. That's a few right there. You might have a security camera, lights, switches. So you get my drift where there's plenty of connections in our home already. This can support up to 200 of them. Now, the other thing too is uh, there's a feature that is, is new to Wi-Fi 7, which is called multi-link operation, MLO. Now, before, Wi-Fi wi networks used to connect between two devices on a single band, okay? So now even a tri-band Wi-Fi 6E router can connect two devices on a single band on a, on a fixed channel. So what MLO can do can, can connect several frequencies across bands into a single connection. So it is so that makes it faster right there. So it can connect across two or more channels in different bands at the same time. So that means wider channels capable of transmitting even more data. So it's more lanes on the on the freeway, basically, connecting across bands. So that's the, that's probably one of the biggest benefits of Wi-Fi seven that we're going to see. Now, Netgear being first to the table, uh, look, first first time technology costs money. And this is not cheap. It's fourteen hundred and ninety nine bucks, and this will probably get it'll get cheaper as other brands release theirs. So it's going to be a bit of a probably probably under a thousand bucks within a few months. But new technology costs money. If you want to be the first, it, it's it's uh, you're putting it out there first. People want it first, then they're going to pay for it. If you're willing to wait, it'll get cheaper. But you think about what what's it worth to you? Is your streaming experience worth it? Is working from home important to you? I'm sure you earn a lot more than $1,499 a year, but if it can give you a smoother, better experience on a video call with a client, video call with a, with a, your boss, then that's a benefit as well. Uh, if, you can, if you can do things faster, your, your, your smart home network, your, your security cameras can work better and faster, going to keep you more secure. So look, there's plenty of reasons why Wi-Fi 7 is going to be an improvement and of course, not everyone's willing going to be willing to pay fourteen hundred ninety nine dollars today, but I sure I reckon there'll be a few people willing to give it a crack because they I think they see it as an investment in their home network, which is an investment in their career, in in their relationships, in their in their leisure time, in everything. So the Wi Fi seven tri band router, it's a Netgear Nighthawk RS seven hundred, is available now. Fourteen hundred and ninety-nine bucks, and all the features that I spoke about, and all the images, you can check it all out for yourself at techguide.com.au. All right, let's talk Apple Pencil. <laughs> Apple have released a new Apple Pencil, but this time. It has something in common with the iPhone 15. Pop quiz, hot shot. Do you know what I'm talking about? Thing it's got in common with the iPhone 15, USB-C. So the new Apple Pencil, which is, uh, I think they call it just, they're calling it Apple Pencil USB-C, has a, a little hatch at the back, like at the top of the pencil. You pull back the, the top of the pencil and a little USB-C port appears and that allows you to carry, connect a cable so it'll it'll work with any iPad model with a USB-C port. So say, right, you connect Apple Pencil to the iPad with USB-C, it will not only charge Apple Pencil, but also pair Apple Pencil with that particular iPad. 
So really easy to do. Now, it does have a similar design to the second generation. Do you remember the second generation Apple Pencil? The let's, let's Actually, let's go back further. First generation Apple Pencil was, was round, so no flat edges. It had a cap at the top, so when you removed it, there was a lightning port. And what did you do? What did you need to do to connect it to your iPad, which had a USB, which had th- lightning ports back then? Connect it to the lightning port, and that's to charge it, but also to pair it. And God help you if you drop that iPad with that Apple Pencil sticking out or walked into it or did something to it, you had to keep it still and safe. That's what charged it. That's what paired it. So fast forward to the Apple Pencil second generation, which had a flat edge. That flat edge had a magnet in it and was able to then be stored on top of your iPad. And if you're using an iPad Pro, it would not only store it in place, but that's how you charge it and pair it as well. Amazing. Now, bring on the USB-C Apple Pencil. Same design as the second generation. So flat edge looks identical. And you can... If your iPad has this, like iPad Air, iPad Pro, you can store it magnetically on top of the iPad, but it won't pair that way. It can only be stored that way. So second generation, which is much more expensive, pairs and stores and charges wirelessly. Apple Pencil USB-C just stores wirelessly. Charging, pairing, USB-C cable is what you need. There is a, uh, a a little chart on which iPads will work on the various Apple Pencils. Like Apple Pencil USB-C, the brand new one, will obviously work on the iPad Pros, iPad Air, the 10th generation iPad and the iPad Mini, uh, and the Apple Pencil first generation. They will work on all the older iPads uh, as well as all the iPad Pros and iPad Pro 10.5-inch, iPad Pro, uh, the, the iPad Mini, all of those other ones. And but some of them also too. He's interesting as the little. There's a chart on Tech Guide as well, so you can look at this for yourself. All three of them offer pixel perfect precision, so writing, sketching, drawing. Uh, they all offer low latency. They all have tilt sensitivity. Uh, they don't all have pressure sensitivity. Apple Pencil USB C does not have pressure sensitivity, but the iPad Pencil first generation does, which is really weird. But if you buy an Apple Pencil first generation with your big lightning port on top, they do have adapters. So you can actually connect it to USB-C if you're attached to your Apple Pencil first generation. Apple Pencil second generation, the most expensive one, does everything. It's got the pressure sensitivity, attaches magnetically, wirelessly pairs and charges magnetically, supports Apple Pencil hover, which is what you do is you can actually hover it above the screen and preview what you're about to do. Apple Pencil USB-C supports that, but doesn't support pressure sensitivity. It's really weird how they've divided up all these features there. But the, the Apple Pencil second generation all has a double tap to change tools and various things like that. So it's obviously the most advanced. But USB-C, Apple Pencil, and the original first generation Apple Pencil, they, they, it's, they don't... Some of the original iPad pen, Apple Pencil has pressure sensitivity, but not support for Apple Pencil hover, whereas the Apple Pencil USB-C has no pressure sensitivity and does support Apple Pencil hover. Anyway, the chart's there for you to see. The new Apple Pencil with USB-C, it's going to be available in early November, and it's going to be priced at 100 and 39 bucks. Check it out for yourself and those charts I mentioned at techguide.com.au. You're listening to Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. It's a new year and our digital generation continues to see a rise in cybercrime and data breaches. Don't leave your devices without protection or your personal information open to exposure. It's time to have a plan to keep your devices and personal information protected. Save your time and money should the unthinkable happen and your devices are at risk to cyber threats like malware, ransomware, or viruses, or your personal information being exposed to cyber criminals looking to trade your details on the dark web. 
Introducing Norton 360 Platinum with device security, a VPN for online privacy, parental controls, and identity protection with dedicated restoration support and dark web monitoring. You have a comprehensive plan in place to help ensure your information stays in private. It's peace of mind for your devices and your identity. With Norton 360 Platinum, if you become a victim of identity theft, you'll have access to their dedicated identity restoration specialists to help you address your identity theft claim and help you resolve it. Norton 360 Platinum is available now at Harvey Norman, JB Hi-Fi, or online at au.norton.com. All your tech questions answered. This is the Tech Guide Help Desk. Yes, welcome to the Tech Guide Help Desk. This brought to you each and every week by our good friends at Belkin, belkin.com forward slash au. Now, if you're after, USB-C is a big deal nowadays, iPhone 15 and now the Apple Pencil with USB-C. They've got USB-C cables and chargers. They've also got great screen protectors, whether you're using an Android phone or an iPhone, their screen protectors actually come with their own applicator. So I always find it tricky putting on a screen protector. It is a piece of cake with Belkin. They've also got uh, charging stations, earphones, you name it. They've got multi-port docks as well. Anything you need for your phone and computer needs or your charging needs for that matter, Belkin's got you covered. Belkin.com forward slash AU. Got a really interesting email from a, a reader who had dramas with their computer but was uh, but managed to, to retrieve or take out the hard drive. So he had the old spinning hard drive. The computer's kaput, gone, but he's still got the hard drive. And he's wondering, now what the hell do I do? do I, how do I read this thing? Well, you can actually buy what they call a SATA docking station. So this is a this is a little it's like a a little stand that has a space to slot the raw part of the hard drive. So if you've ever seen a hard drive, if you've ever put a network attached storage, you you can uh, the the silver in the innards of the hard drive, uh, you can actually connect the there's 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 terminals on the bottom of the of the drive that can actually slot into this little reader. So think of it like a dock with a gap for you to slip in that hard drive. So external hard drive can be read then by the dock and thereby retrieving all your files. So if you just end up with a hard drive, not all is lost. You can actually, I think it costs about 80 bucks, 100 bucks to buy one of these little docks. That then slips in. If you, I think you can only put it in one way, depending on what... Uh, the, the disk you have there's there's normally the the regular the regular hard drives that you see they the desktop hard drives they will then fit in there and you're able to then connect the dock to your computer and then read it so it can mount on your desktop so you can read what's in there and retrieve whatever content you need so even if it's just the hard drive you got left that's all good and you're able to then retrieve all your memories That is the end of our show for this week. Thank you so much for listening. We're glad you got through to the end. Uh, If you need to find out about anything we've spoken about on the show, including that great discount from Navman for the MyView Alter, check it out at techguide.com.au. And we'd love to hear from you as well. There's a couple of ways you can get in touch. First is by sending us a direct email, info at techguide.com.au, or clicking on the Ask Stephen icon on the right-hand side of the page, That will also open up a form and that will end up as an email in my inbox. We want to give a special thanks to our great sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you, your family, and all your devices safe online. Thank you once again for listening. We'll be back with another show next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected. 